Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I want to preach a word on uh, warfare. I was reading in the One Year Bible, which I highly recommend. It gives you like a little section each day to read, and at the end of a year, you'll you'll have completed the Bible. And I came across this, this passage that just stuck out to me. And I, I've noticed that God will do that to you often when you're reading. Sometimes a, a verse will stick out or maybe a, a passage will stick out and God's highlighting it and he wants to minister to you and speak a word to you. And it's for your benefit. And so I came across this passage and it was all about uh, war and when the Israelites were battling the Philistines. And uh, uh, real quick, I, I know that there's some teaching out there or there's sayings that you may see that says, uh, you know, don't choose war, don't go to war, choose love. And that sounds good, but as long as evil exists in this world, warfare is absolutely necessary. <laughs> Christian, there is a very real devil out there and you must be ready and prepared for war to battle him. And so this house, Awaken, is a discipleship house. And I don't know if you, it's hard to put into words, but when you walk in, you can just feel it's full of life. And we're here to connect you with God. We're here to connect you with other people, with leaders who want to speak life into you, who want to develop you so that you're empowered and effective to live the life that God has called you to. And so a good culture in church, good discipleship doesn't happen on its own. It requires good leaders. And I'll tell you that here at Salt Lake, this campus, we have the best of the best leaders. With our campus pastors, Matt and Loren Tuggle. I'm telling you, the thing about Pastor Matt is he's extremely competitive. Whether you're playing cornhole or kickball, he has just like this ferocious spirit and you can you can just feel it it kind of makes you uncomfortable he wants to win and let me tell you that's a good thing in a pastor because since he's leading you and in speaking into your life he wants you to win in this life and then pastors Jurgen and Leanne who oversee the entire awakened movement I'm telling you we have the best leaders here so the, the, the story I'm going to preach off of is, uh, it relates to the story of David and Goliath. And I, I think most people have heard of the story of David and Goliath. Even non-Christians have heard the story of David and Goliath. You know, there's the, the shepherd boy, David. He's an Israelite, and he's tending the sheep in the field. And Israel at this time is at war with the Philistines. And David's older brothers, they're fighting in the war. And Jesse, David's father, he tells uh, David to go bring food to his brothers so that they could be nourished and energized for the battle. And David, he ends up going down to the place where the war was, was happening. And when he shows up, he notices that all of the Israelite warriors were like 
kind of shook up. Like they were, they were timid and they were kind of cowering. And he looks out into the field and he doesn't see anyone but a big 10 foot giant. And this, this is Goliath. And giant, the, the giant Goliath is defying the armies of Israel. He's saying, give me a man that could come and fight me. And if he defeats me, we'll serve you. But if I kill him, you guys will serve us and our gods. And all of the Israelites are scared of him. But I love what David says, because he knows who his God is. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I love the Old Testament disses, man. He goes that he would defy the armies of the living God. And then it goes on to where David actually, the shepherd boy goes and confronts Goliath out in the field and he fights him. And he says to Goliath, uh, no, 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 wait, what happens here? Yeah, Goliath watches uh, David come out to him and Goliath starts taunting him. He's like, what am I, a dog? That you come at me with sticks and stones? He was laughing at David because he was a little boy. And David, (laughs) I love what he says. He goes, you come at me with sword, with spear, with javelin, but I come at you in the name of the living God. He goes, this day... I will kill you and take off your head. And as for all your little army Philistine friends, their carcasses will be food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And he goes, and this day, everyone will know that the living one true God is with Israel. And then he loads up his sling and shoots a stone right into Goliath's head. Goliath hits the deck. And then this is the best part. David goes up, he unsheathes Goliath's sword and Game of Thrones, Ned Stark style, just shrink, takes off the head of Goliath. And then the Bible says that all of the Israelites charge the Philistines and they subdue them. I think most people know that story. That's, that's it in a nutshell. Um, but did you know that Goliath had four brothers? He had four giant brothers and most people don't know this, this story, and this is what I'm going to preach out of tonight. And the reason I want to preach about, out of it is because you need to know the agenda of these giants. You need to know their names and what they're trying to do to you. Because you cannot defeat what you cannot see. And so let's pick it up on 2 Samuel. should be up on the screen. 2 Samuel 21. Uh, starting on verse 15, there it is. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines and David grew faint. Let me give you guys some context. This is uh, later on in uh, David's reign as king in his like latter years, he's much older at this point. And David grew faint. Then Ishbi Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. I love the way they introduce people in the Bible. It's like, Jackson, the son of Debbie Smith, killed the giant. (laughs) Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. 
Now it happened again afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibekai the Hushathite killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Again, there was war at Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of Jair Origim, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again, there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. 24 in number. Imagine that. He, he can't even flip off the Israelites. He has no middle finger. Like, I just imagine he puts like the two middle ones together and he's like, that's for my brother Goliath. The shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Now, real quick, we're going to jump to the book of Chronicles, First Chronicles, because one of the names of the giants isn't named in Samuel, so we have to go to Chronicles to get the name. First uh, Chronicles 20, starting at verse 5, it says, Again, there was war with the Philistines, and Elhanan, the son of Jair, killed Lachmi. There's the name. The brother of Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again, there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature with 24 fingers and toes, six on each hand and six on each foot. I just wonder, when he got a pedicure, did he have to pay extra? Because of the, anyways. And he also was born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, killed him. These were born to the giant in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So these four giants, although they are long dead, the spirit, the principality that they operate in is still active today, and it's hindering Christians. And so we're going to go over each giant, their name, and I'm going to tell you what they're doing so you can recognize it and so you can overcome these giants. Point number one, the first giant, his name is Ishbai Benob. Ishbai Benob. And this in Hebrew means occupier of priestly places. Now, why would this giant want to occupy the priestly place in your life? Well, the role of a priest is to reconcile man with God. In the Old Testament, they would uh, offer sacrifices on behalf of the people, and uh, they would, very importantly, teach the word of God. They were ministers. And the story tells us that Ishbai Benob had a new sword, which he tried to take out King David with. A sword throughout the Bible, it represents the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Paul, when he's talking about the, the full armor of God, he writes to pick up the sword, which is the word of God. Revelation 19.15 says coming out of God's mouth is a sharp sword. So the sword is the word of God, but this giant is wielding a new sword or a new word to take out the man of God, to take out the Christian this is not God's word, this sword that he's wielding. It's, it's something completely different. It's actually the complete opposite. It's a demonic, evil, wicked word that he speaks over you to try and derail your life. This weapon's called a word curse. It's a word curse. 
And the enemy knows that this is very powerful and it's very effective because words hold power. God created the universe with his words. Words can create or they can destroy. Check this out. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. James 3, 6 says, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. You need to take out this giant because he will keep on speaking word curse after word curse after word curse over you until you actually start to speak it over yourself and you believe it. Let me give you some examples of what a word curse might sound like. Oh, you're never gonna, you're never gonna make any money. Oh, oh, you're never gonna buy a house. Nobody likes you. You should kill yourself. You'll always be broke. And then you start to say, yeah, I'm never gonna get a house. Yeah, I'm gonna be alone forever. Yeah, yeah, I am an addict. And you start to agree with the word that was, that was cursed over you. My life is so chaotic. I'm just an anxious person. Does anyone hear these things? I'll tell you that if this sounds familiar or you've heard these, you, the, 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 the spirit of Ishbai Benob is attacking your life. I remember when I was a, a teenager, uh, I was a young teen and my, my father and my brothers were all hanging out and uh, we were just talking. My dad was telling me and my brothers things that we were good at and you know things that we were not so good at. And uh, he, he told me, he said, Tyson, you are not the most handy man. He's like, you're not the best with tools and you know, if something breaks, you're not very good at, at fixing it. And he wasn't purposely trying to speak a word curse over me, but the devil is crafty and he will use every opportunity he has to disrupt your life. And so I took on that word curse and I agreed with it. I was like, yeah, I'm not handy. And for years, years after, anytime something would like break or you know, stop working, I would not fix it. I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't even touch it. I remember I was in college and uh, I had roommates and we, we were living in this apartment and you know, stuff broke and they'd be like, hey bro, can you fix this? And I'd be like, uh, uh, no, you fix it. Yeah, yeah, I'll hold the flashlight for you. You know, I'm like, good job, you're doing good. Cause I was living under this word curse that I'm not a handyman. And then fast forward years later, I get married to my beautiful wife, Savannah. We get married and we buy our first home. And as all homeowners know that things, they, they wear out and they, they require maintenance and things were breaking in our house. And I would just let it be. I would just leave it. And my wife, she, she didn't know I was living with this word curse. She goes, hey honey, can, can you fix this? Can, can you fix that? Can, can you, you know, we've got some electrical problems here. And I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah. And then I just wouldn't do it. Or I'd, I'd try to do it and then I'd just be like, I, I just quit. And so we had this house that was operating at like 75% capacity. And it, there was this one thing that my wife had asked like five times. She's like, hey, can you fix this? Hey, we need this fixed. Same thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get it to it. I'll get it. Never did. And then one day I, I come home and I walk in the house and I see my wife with tools and she's fixing the thing that she asked me to fix. 
And in that moment, I know, real emerge manly of me. <laughs> and in that moment, it was like God spoke to me and he was like, Tyson, what are you doing? He's like, you can fix these things. You are a handyman. You've got this. And in that moment, I, I broke off that word curse. I was like, yeah, you're right. And so I went up to my wife and I, I said, baby, give me the tools. <laughs> and I ended up fixing whatever it was. And after that moment, when I broke off that word curse, I was fixing everything. Come on, babe. I was fixing everything. Electrical issues, figured that out. Uh, sprinkler system went out, figured all that stuff out. The valve was all jacked up, fixed that. Uh, the lawnmower went out, like wouldn't start, and it was like pulsing. I fixed that. And I was walking with this new swag. I was like... Yeah, I'm a handyman. Come on. <laughs> Call me Tice the Builder. <laughs> now that's a, I know that's a kind of a smaller word curse, but what word curses, church, are you living with? What word curses are you allowing Ishbai Benob to speak over your life? That's why our church is huge on operating in the prophetic. We will speak words of life over you. We will speak God's words over you to, to strengthen you, to, to edify you, to build you up. That's why it's important to be in church. You know, come twice a week. Come to men's, men's and women's prayer. Read your Bible. You need to have the word of God in you. Did you know that the word of God says that you are more than a conqueror? It says you can do all things through Christ. The word of God says that nothing is impossible with God. God says that you are wonderfully and fearfully made. He says that you are his masterpiece. He says that you are the head and not the tail. He says he will never leave you nor forsake you. He says he has good plans for you. And Jesus always gives you the victory in him. So church, let's take off the head of Ishbi Ben-Abert. We're gonna call him Ishbi Kebab because we're gonna skewer him. He has no power over you. And let's start living how God wants you to. Can somebody say amen? Okay, second point, second point. The second giant that you need to come across and overcome, his name is Saf or Sipai. Uh, Two different names, but it's, it's the same giant and it means the same thing. Sipai or Saf means uh, threshold, doorway, or doorkeeper. In the spiritual realm, there are very real doors. Uh, in Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And then there's several other times throughout the scriptures where it references doors. But what you need to know is there are two types of doors. There are ones that uh, lead to life. Uh, they lead upward. They unlock blessing, promotion, increase. And then the other type of door, it spirals downward. It brings about destruction, pain, regret, shame, addiction, uh, depression. And so those are the two types of doorways. And the spirit of Sipai wants to block you from going through the doors that God has ordained for you. And instead he wants to, to pull and influence and try and push you through the, devil, through the devil's doors. These are the doors that go downward. They're, they're like trap doors. And so how do you know which doors you're going through? 
It's simple. You look at your choices. The decisions that you make to do something or not to do something determines your doorway. Let me say that again. The decisions that you make, whether to do something or not to do something, determines which door you're going through. Let me give you an example of some bad doors, some of the trap doors. Uh, If you're abusing drugs uh, to get high or you're getting drunk, you've just opened up a door. Uh, If you're viewing pornography, you've just opened up a door. Uh, If you're visiting spiritists, mediums, psychics, uh, playing with Ouija boards, palm readings, you've just opened up a bad door. On the other hand, you have the good doors which lead up, and and that would look like uh, choosing to serve in church. When you build the house of God, boom, you just opened up a door to blessing. Uh, Tithing. Tithing, that's a good one. The Bible says that there are windows or, or doors in heaven that are ordained for you and they're, they're closed over your life until you bring the tithe. Once you bring the tithe, God says that he opens up that door so you can step into new blessing. Honoring. If you choose to honor your parents, honor your spouse, Honor uh, your job and, and your, your leaders and your, your customers, your employees. When you, when you choose to honor, boom, you've just opened up a good door that leads to blessing. Jesus says in Matthew uh, 18 that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Or whatever you close up on earth will be closed in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth or open on earth will be opened in heaven. And so here's the thing, God is not going to uh, do it for you. He's given you free will. He allows you to freely choose which doors you want to go through, but he will guide you. God will uh, want you and, and he wills that you would go through the doors that lead upward instead of the doors that lead downward. Proverbs 15, 24, it says, the path of life leads upward for the prudent to keep them from going down to the realm of the dead. You are meant to live on a higher level than where you're currently at. And I'm not talking about performance, performance in in the world. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that there are very real doors that God is knocking on in your life that you've yet to open. God wants to take you to a, a higher level. He's knocking on the doors that take you to the higher place. Pastor Jurgen, he preaches very well on this this concept of uh, how your life is experienced and lived. He says that your life is experienced in stages, but it's lived on levels. That's why you'll hear someone say, man, I thought at this stage in life, I'd be on another level. The stages of life are inevitable for you. You know, you're a baby and then toddler, childhood, teenager, young adult, adult, and so on. But the level you live on in each life is determined by the doorways you go through. That's why, and we've seen this all the time, you have a 20-year-old fraternity bro in college, and all he wants to do is, he just wants to party and hook up with chicks. And then on the other hand, you have a 45 year old man 
Maybe he has kids, but he also wants to, he just wants to party, living the fast life. You know, one night stands, that's two different stages of life, but they're both operating on the same level. Church, tonight, God wants you to go to a higher level. Tonight, God wants to take you to that higher place. Some of you need to start opening the doors that God is knocking on. Some of you need to start opening the doors to serving in the house of God. Some of you need to open the door to tithing. Some of you need to shut the door on sipai. Shut the door on viewing pornography. Shut the door on, on single people, on having premarital sex. Shut the door on that. It only leads down, not up. God doesn't want to take away your fun. He wants you to live a life abundant. And that's why he has these words. So, okay, third point, moving right on. The third giant, his name is Lachmi. Lachmi. It's spelled L-A-H-M-I. It looks like Lami, but it's pronounced Lachmi. You gotta, you gotta say it like you got something stuck in your throat. Like, Lach, Lachmi. <clears throat> Just don't do it too hard. You might choke. <laughs> Lachmi means keeper of the bread. No, he's not a baker. No, he doesn't work at Great Harvest Bread or Panera Bread. He's keeper of the bread. And this is the enemy of prosperity. He's the enemy of prosperity because bread, it represents provision. It's God providing for your every need, both uh, physical and spiritual. There's a book that the Pathfinders read every year and it's called Business Secrets from the Bible. And it's written by a very famous rabbi and he talks about how bread, uh, there's a whole, uh, first off, bread is like really sacred in, in Jewish culture. It's like the, the cheeseburger in America. And th this rabbi, he talks about how uh, there's a whole enterprise behind the making of bread. You have the farmer who grows the wheat, you have the people who make the tools to ground the wheat into flour, and then you have the, the baker to make the flour into bread, and then it's sent off to the market where it's sold for a profit. There's an enterprise behind it. He also says that bread is a gathering point where uh, people would uh, have a meal together. And they would, over the breaking of bread, they would discuss business ideas and they would collaborate on, on, on new ventures. So bread is prosperity. And the spirit of Lachme wants to keep the bread from you. He wants to keep prosperity from you. And sadly, he's doing a pretty good job. He's doing a pretty good job at infiltrating the church to where there's many Christians who actually believe that it is somehow more godly and holy to be broke, sick, and struggling. Like what? That is not God's will for your life. It's not God's will at all for your life. God wants to bless you so much to where you're able to then turn around and bless others. You are blessed to be a blessing. Let me ask you a question. How in the world are you supposed to help someone out when you're the one who's always needing help? Pastor Colin Higginbottom, he's our campus pastor in the Boise, Idaho location. He came to Salt Lake City and I, I remember I was sitting right over in this area and I'll never forget, he said, and if you have never heard him preach or seen him preach, he has like these 
piercing, like icy, like powerful eyes. And he looks right at me and he's like, (sighs) he goes, I'll never forget it. He said, if you're not prospering, the people closest to you are suffering. And I was like, good point. He literally scared the poverty right off of me. But it's so true. If you're not prospering, it's actually one of the most selfish things that you can do because it's all about you. It's like, oh, I need help. And oh, can you help me? And oh, I can't give anything because I only have enough just for me. Here at Awaken, and I wanna just set set it clear here that we do not love money and use God. We do not worship success and use God as a means to get it. It's actually quite the opposite. We worship God and we use money. We praise and we worship God and him alone and we use our success to bring him glory. If you're like, where does it say that in the Bible? Where does it say that I'm supposed to prosper? I'll gladly show you. (laughs) Philippians 4.19 says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Deuteronomy 28, three through eight says, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your whole body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Man, that guy sounds prosperous. Who's he talking about? Oh, me? You? Yeah, he's talking about the Christian. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. And then the last one, Proverbs 13, 22, it says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, to his grandkids, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. You are allowed to prosper. God wills that you prosper. God does not want you broke, sick, and disgusted and in the streets. God needs you to prosper because there are other people who are gonna benefit from your prosperity and they're waiting on you to do that. So tonight, tonight, cut off the head of Lachme. Choose to prosper. Okay, fourth and final giant. This one is, uh, he doesn't have a name and you can look all throughout the scripture and, and uh, there is no name for this giant. It just says that he has six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. It's the number six. And six is the number of man. If you look in the Bible, the sixth book of the Bible is the name of a man. It's 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. The sixth day of the week is Friday. It's about, man, what are you gonna do on Friday? What are your plans on Friday? It's when men gather and have fun. It's, it's the day of man. Six represents man and moreover, it represents uh, the sinful nature of man. It's also known as your flesh. And the reason that this giant has no name is because it's the giant that's within you. And I'm not saying like you're possessed by a demon or anything, but every one of us has a sinful nature. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, we have all been born into sin. That's why we don't have to teach sin to anyone. It just comes naturally to us. And unfortunately, this is the battle that you will have to face every single day. It's crucifying your own flesh and living by the spirit. The Bible says that your flesh and your spirit, they wage war against each other. The spirit wants the things of God and your flesh wants the things of this world. And so when you crucify your flesh, you're allowing your spirit to live. The Bible says to walk by the spirits. You cannot defeat these giants, these four giants without being born again. You're living a, uh, you're, you're living and trying to fight this supernatural battle on the natural level. That should be the real definition of insanity. And so tonight I want to give you an opportunity to know Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that you must be born again. And so can I have everyone just stand to your feet? There's a God in heaven who loves you. He created you, he knows you, and he just wants to have relationship with you. He wants to give you an abundant life. He wants to take away all of the pain and all of the dysfunction that you can experience in your life. And so I'm gonna ask everyone just to bow your heads and close your eyes with no one looking around the room. Tonight you have an opportunity to give your life to Christ. Tonight you have an opportunity to change your life, to be born again. And so on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if you wanna surrender your life to Christ. If you're saying, I am done trying to do it my way, it never works out. So with everyone's eyes closed, head bowed, I'm gonna count to three. One, and on the count of three, just raise your hand if that's you. Two, friend, you will never be the same. Three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand in the air? Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. If, if you put your, if, if I see you, you can just put your hand down. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else who wants to know Jesus, who wants to be in relationship with him? Maybe you've turned away, you fell away. You're not sure where your salvation stands. I've raised my head several times because of that. Okay, I'm gonna wait one more 
Is there someone else? Thank you, I see that hand. Okay, everyone, you can look at me. Come on. I'm gonna lead you all in a prayer. And if you raised your hand, if that was you, there's nothing magical about the words I say. It's a choice that you make. Mean it from the heart. So, dear Jesus, I thank you for dying for my sin. I repent of my sin and I turn away from it. I accept you as Lord and Savior over my life. Wash me clean, fill me up and make me new. My home is heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.